want to begin today by uh, thanking uh, my son, who happens to also be my pastor now. Um, I'm, I've learned a lesson. You need to be careful how you treat your son growing up. Uh, he may be the guy that signs the check someday. But it's an honor uh, to call him my pastor and to get to uh, serve under him. And I just want to thank him and our church family for setting aside a day in the ministry calendar uh, to honor uh, these men and women who so selflessly serve our uh, county and our city uh, day after day. And also uh, want to acknowledge this morning that the video that we just played is not the normal kind of video that we would produce on a day like this. Uh, most of the time we try to be very upbeat and very positive and, and very rah-rah, um, but there's a reason why. Um, I had to fight a little bit to get that video played today, um, and, and I'll explain a little bit more about that here in just a moment, because it, it really is part of the heart of why I wanted to speak on what I'm going to speak on today. Uh, but to start, if you have access to the scriptures this morning, I want you to go to the book of First Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2. If you don't have access uh, to the scriptures, don't worry about it. We're going to uh, have them on the screen here in uh, uh, just a moment. First Timothy, if I can find it myself. It's in the T-books. Got it. With the Lord's help, I, I want to speak really probably more to the civilians here today than uh, to my first responder friends on this subject, praying for first responders. How, how do we do that? How, how should we go about that? What are some things that uh, we could pray for. And that's really where I want to focus today. Paul's words to Timothy beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2 are these. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings, for all that are in authority. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. And so Paul tells us in this passage that it's a good thing to pray for all men. And he uses that word men there generically speaking of mankind in general. So we understand that includes women as well. And certainly that would include the first responders who've chosen to join us today. And what I'd like to deal with for the next few minutes and what I would like to help our church family and others, non-responders here today I want to try and help you pray more intelligently and to pray more specifically 
for those in the police department and the sheriff's office and the city and county fire departments and EMS and uh, communications. And then at the end, we're going to give you the opportunity to put to practice the things that we're going to talk about in the message this morning. Now, I'm going to do my best. Um, these lights are bright and I can't see the clock back there. That's, your, that's a disadvantage to you. It's an advantage to me. I'm going to try to hustle this along as quickly as I can, but I'm going to be honest with you. There are some things this morning that I really want you to get a hold of. Uh, Some very serious things today that I I want you to grasp. And so I'm not going to go over it uh, too quickly. And uh, I was thinking about that. It reminded me years ago, uh, I came to church on a Sunday morning with a piece of tissue on my neck. And um, one of our dear ladies pointed it out. I obviously had forgotten to, to take it off before I, I came to church. And so I thanked her and I explained to her that that morning as I was shaving, I was thinking about my message and I cut my neck. Well, after the service, she, she found me out in the foyer and she said, hey, pastor, I, I, I got an idea. I said, great, let's hear it. I guess she thought maybe I spoke a little bit too long that morning. And she said, here's my idea. How about next Sunday you think about your neck and cut the message? (laughs) You got to be kidding me. That's the kind of love I got around here. But uh, so I'm going to try to to hustle this along as, as quickly as I can this morning. The first thing I encourage you to pray for uh, is this. It's simply their safety. Now, I understand somebody, well, that's a no-brainer. Obviously, we ought to do that. But I think you're going to see in just a moment there's more to that than what the average citizen may think. First of all, as you can imagine, we should pray for their physical safety. According to the Officer Down Memorial page, as of Monday, September 5th, there had been 169 law enforcement officers killed in the line of duty this year. I know that number has grown at least by two because just this past week, two Cobb County um, sheriff deputies, uh, Cobb County, Georgia sheriff deputies were uh, were killed while delivering a warrant. As of the end of August, as the end of August, 57 firefighters have died in the line of duty, according to the Fire Rescue One website. And if you go on there and you read, you'll find the name of of one of our, uh, in this region, Jason Smith with the Balco Volunteer Fire Department. Because so many sites include firefighter deaths in the total number of EMS deaths, it was really hard to obtain an exact number. But as near as I could calculate, there have been 15 EMS deaths this year. So do we need to pray for the physical safety of these frontline heroes? Absolutely. Every day they get out of bed and and, and go to work, these men and women know that that day could be their last. From gunshots to stabbings to building collapses to vehicle collisions on the way to the scene and tragically while at the scene, 
They face dangers that most of us will never face. But there's another way to pray for the safety of our first responder friends. Because not all wounds are visible. This is the reason I wanted to show that rather sobering video. All the general public sees and hears about is how the officers and firefighters and EMS folks arrived on the scene and performed their respective duties with the utmost bravery and skill and professionalism. And then they all went home safe. Applause. End of the story. But in reality... That's not the end of the story. What you don't hear about is what often happens after the call. The mental and emotional battles depicted in those graphics are not something that's ever advertised. Those moments in time are not celebrated. You don't ever see anything like that in recruitment videos. And they aren't things that are, that are often talked about. But they should be. They should be. Because they are battles that are real. And they take their toll. And when I say they take their toll, here's what I mean. Statistics reveal that first responders are more likely to die from taking their own life than by having their life taken. A total of 177 first responders died by suicide last year. That's according to Blue Help, which is a nonprofit that tracks those kinds of statistics. An article published by the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health said this, first responders, including law enforcement officers, firefighters, emergency medical services, clinicians, and public safety telecommunicators. Uh, Any dispatchers here this morning? That's a fancy title, isn't it? I've never called them that. Public safety telecommunicators are crucial to ensuring public safety and health. First responders may be at elevated risk for suicide because the environments in which they work, their culture and stress, both occupational and personal. This stress can be acute, which means it's associated with a specific incident, or it can be chronic, an accumulation of day-to-day stress. Occupational stress in first responders is associated with increased risk of mental health issues, including hopelessness, anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress as well as suicidal behaviors, such as suicidal ideation, which is thinking about or planning suicide and attempts. Even during routine shifts, first responders can experience stress due to the uncertainty of each situation. During emergencies, disasters, pandemics, and other crises, stress among first responders can be magnified. Because first responders can have challenging work schedules and extreme family work demands, stress caused by relationship problems may also be magnified in this worker group. So do you see now 
why I said that not all wounds are visible. One big reason these struggles are not addressed as often as they should be is because of the stigma that gets attached to them. I mean, after all, (laughs) you can't be brave and heroic and at the same time show any weakness, right? Most of the time when I follow up with one of our guys at the PD or group of our guys that have been involved in a critical incident, here's what I get. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm good. I got it. I'm good. And maybe that's the truth. Maybe, maybe they are okay. But I'm going to guess that more often than not, and I'd say this is true with all first responders, not just cops. What I'm okay really means is this. I've got an image to maintain. And I cannot risk being seen as anything but brave and strong and in control. So yeah, I'm okay. When in reality, it's not okay. I am fully aware that the culture surrounding the first responder community does not always promote asking for help. Can I just be honest with you this morning? Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. You need someone in your life who can help you deal with how you feel. And sometimes your spouse is not always the best choice. A lot of reasons for that, but sometimes they may be. But you need someone. And I get it. I get it. Well, there's a risk of me doing that. Well, not in a good department. In a good department, it's okay not to be okay. Church, let's not forget That while these first responders are some of the bravest and most courageous individuals you will ever meet. Individuals that run towards danger every time in order to save the lives of others. They're also human beings who are often adversely affected by the stresses and strains of their chosen occupation. So much so that it makes them to despair even of their own life at times. Most people sitting here today will never see what these men and women see or experience what they experience. So when you pray for them, let's make a more concerted effort to pray not only for their physical safety, but for their mental and emotional well-being as well. The second area I encourage you to pray for is their family life. First responder marriages face the same challenges as civilian marriages. Plus, 
they face an entirely unique set of challenges that most civilian families and marriages don't face. Here are just a few things for your consideration this morning. Long shifts and odd hours. Emergencies, if you haven't figured this out yet, emergencies happen 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 52 weeks a year. Not just Friday through, or Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. In the field of first response, regular hours, kind of a joke, regular hours are often the exception, not the rule. I mean, you think about it, when it comes time for the shift to be over, a worn out firefighter can't just walk away from a house fire. A tired and depleted police officer can't just walk off a domestic violence scene because his shift's over. A dispatcher can't hang up during a stressful 911 call because it's time to go home. An ambulance crew, they don't have the option not to respond to a serious vehicle accident with possible fatalities just because they're supposed to go home in 15 minutes. Listen, that's just not how it works in the world of first response. When the call comes, you go. That's how it works. And so many times those calls come when you're supposed to be off duty and they interrupt dinner and date nights and birthday celebrations and vacations and so many other family activities. Something else that makes first responder marriages unique is that they often get lost in work. It's difficult for a first responder to dismiss what they see or what they hear at work. They can't just forget it. It doesn't work that way. It's not easy for them to switch from their work life to their home life when their work life involves continual contact with terrible accidents and domestic abuse and trying to help in situations that involve the worst that a community could possibly encounter. Most first responders are very passionate about what they do. They feel an intense sense of constant duty as a public servant. Consequently, it's hard and sometimes impossible for them to say no to, uh, to back-to-back shifts or overtime or, or bringing work home. And it's often to the detriment of their family. So pray with me. Join me in praying for these men and women that they would strengthen their relationships with their families. That they would love their spouses. And that they would invest in their children's lives because not only do their families need them, they need their families. Thirdly, pray for wisdom. From the heroes in communications 
who, by the way, and this is often forgotten, are the first first responders. And they do a great job. Wonderful people. From them to police and sheriff deputies to firefighters, paramedics, those with EMS, they are constantly, and most civilians have no concept of this, but they are constantly making split-second decisions that not only involve their safety, but the safety of others as well. So pray for them to have wisdom in every decision. And while you're praying for wisdom, I'd also encourage you to pray that these servants would be men and women of integrity. Pray that in every situation, they would do the right thing. Simply because it's the right thing to do. Regardless of anyone's watching or not. Pray that they would constantly think beyond themselves. Because many failures of personal integrity begin with selfishness. That doesn't think about or concern itself with the consequences for other people. A person of integrity will always be concerned uh, about what their actions will do to their family or to their shift mates or to their agency or to their profession as a whole. And then pray that they will be willing to pay the price of integrity if called upon to do so. Because the day may come When their integrity costs them. It could cost them a friendship. It could cost them a promotion. It could even cost them their job. But so be it. As long as they still have their integrity intact. They still have something that is of the utmost value. And will serve them well. In the long run. Are we okay this morning? The fifth thing I'd encourage you to have. On your first responder prayer list. Is compassion. It's not uncommon. For first responders to develop. What is called compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue occurs. When an individual has become numb. And disconnected to those they're serving. It normally takes time to develop. And it builds slowly. But it eventually reaches a point. Where they start to not care about themselves. Or about others in their life. As a public service organization. First responders. Witness a barrage of of tragedies and traumas and experiences that are associated with their day-to-day duties. And so pray for them that they will never, ever fall prey to the thought that what they do doesn't make a difference. Because it does. Pray that while caring for others... 
They will have the self-awareness to take care of themselves as well. So as we look down our prayer list, it's growing. You may have to take one of these a day. But we've got safety, both physical and we're going to add mental and emotional to that as well. We've got their family relationships and we're going to pray for wisdom and for integrity and for compassion. And then the final thing that I'd encourage you to pray for is what Timothy spoke to in our text when he said, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Pray that every first responder everywhere would come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, what what truth is, is Paul talking about here? I would submit to you that he's talking about the truth of eternal life, the truth of salvation, the truth about having a right relationship with our Creator. This is a, a truth that I was privileged to, to come into at, with, with the help of, of someone in my life a number of years ago. And as we sat down and they began to visit with me, the first, <laughs> the first truth that, that they revealed to me from the scriptures is that I was a sinner. Well, at that point in my life, <laughs> I had zero argument because I was a mess. My life was a wreck. And so I, I had no argument with them when they showed me this verse that said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, sinner, check. No more like, check. It was a big one. And then the second truth that I learned during that conversation was this from another verse in the book of Romans where they showed me where it said, For the wages of sin is death. Or eternal separation from God. And I'm like, oh boy, this is getting worse. And I thought, okay, okay, okay. So, so I'm not a good dude right now. I get that. I get that. But death? <laughs> eternal separation from God? Are you serious? And he looked at me and said, yeah, serious. That's, that's what the Bible says. But thankfully, they showed me the second part of that verse that said, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, so now I'm thinking, all right, now we're on the right path. Eternal life. I mean, that's something I can get on board with. I like that. So... What do I need to do? Do I need to get baptized? Do I need to join the church? Do I need to get my act together? I mean, come on, tell me. I'm all in. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not dumb. I like life better than death. So yeah, I'm all in. What do I do? And they said, well, you don't have to do any of those things. As a matter of fact, they said none of those things can get you to heaven. 
Okay, so now I'm really confused. And they took me to another part of the book of Romans, this time chapter 10. And they read some verses to me that said, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart I read, man believeth unto salvation, unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then they dropped down to a verse that said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I'm just seeking some clarification here. I said, so you're telling me that for me to have a right relationship with my Creator, for me to experience eternal life, um, I've got to acknowledge I'm a sinner and that I can't save myself and that Jesus loves me. And by the way, they showed me John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so I acknowledge I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I can't join a church and be saved to get baptized and be saved or clean up my act and get saved. But that Jesus died for me and that he was buried and he rose again. And that all I have to do is place my faith and trust in Him and call upon Him to be my Lord and Savior. And it's all because He loves me. And they said, yeah. Now let me be honest with you. To a young man who at that point in his life was a mess. Was an absolute wreck. And not very lovable. The fact that God loved me became a literal life-changing truth. And here I am, nearly 50 years later, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, would never claim to be ever, and never will be this side of eternity. Not Having lived an easy life, I've had tragedy, I've had heartache, I've had heartbreak. I've had ups and downs, some of them brought on by my own doings. Others I had no control over. But I stand here this morning absolutely convinced that my life is better today with Jesus in it than without. Even through all the heartache and all the heartbreak and all the ups and downs. My life is better with Jesus in it. And so that's the truth. That's the truth. That Paul wants us to pray. That all men everywhere. Would come to. And if you've not come to that truth this morning. I would love to have the opportunity, one of our pastors would love to have the opportunity 
to help you. Even today or whenever. Whether you're a first responder or not, it doesn't matter. We'd love to have the opportunity to help you make that life-changing decision. So let's wrap it up. And all God's people said, (laughs) you're not supposed to say that. At least not so enthusiastically. Here's how we're we're going to close today. Knowing what I was, was going to speak on today, I really felt compelled to give you the opportunity to put to practice what I just presented to you. All across the platform are brochures on prayers for first responders. It covers much of the material that I gave you this morning. There's some other uh, information in there. And stapled to the top of each one of these is a little white piece of paper with the first name only on it. Every first responder who registered today, you're going to be prayed for in this service. I took the liberty to put your first name only. There's no other information on there. Harry, Joe, Sally, Joe, Margaret, whatever. And it's stapled to this. And here in a moment, I'm going to invite our church family and, and anyone else who wants to join us today to come. Men, you come. Husbands, you come. You take one. Wives, you take one. Young people, you take one. Any of our first responders want to come and pray for your buddies? You're more than welcome. We'd love to. We'd love to have you do it. If not, then, then you feel free to stay seated. But I want you to know that everyone you see here could possibly be praying for you by name. Because we want you to know we love you. And we want what's best for you. And if there's anything we can ever do beyond today, you just let us know. We're on it. I promise you that. Our pastor's wife's going to come and she's going to sing a, a beautiful song that is so appropriate for just tying all of this up. And it'll be very moving, very special. So if you are not praying today, then, then you, you listen and you be helped today. So let's stand, our, let, let, don't stand, just stay seated. Church family, you come. Others, you come. Take one of these brochures. Uh, anybody's welcome to come and take one right now. And you, you spend some time this morning praying for the name on, on, that, on that brochure. And then we will we'll bring this to a close.